Thanks for checking out this episode of the Jambase podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is the partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. This episode features my interview with guitarist Chris Shiflett of Foo Fighters. I spoke to Chris a little while ago about his new solo work, which includes his new single, Long Long Year. We'll hear that interview in just a moment. But first, let's hear about the sponsor of this episode. This episode is sponsored by Psychedelic Art Exchange. Psychedelic Art Exchange is the premier source to buy, sell, and learn about vintage concert posters. Explore decades worth of exciting collectible concert art from the 1960s to the modern day, featuring the Grateful Dead, Fish, and many more of your favorite bands and artists. Be on the lookout for Jambase's four-part series detailing the history of concert posters, and head over to concertpostergallery.com to explore their expanding online store or to bid on vintage rarities in one of their twice-monthly auctions. Happy collecting! All right, a few hours after this episode publishes, Fish will be taking the stage to kick off their usual Labor Day weekend run at Dick's Sporting Goods Park near Denver. What's unusual about this year's Dick's run is that the band will be playing four shows, expanding from their typical three-night stand. As always, visit Jambase's Fish the Skinny Hub for snapshots of each show, including the set list, along with notes on set times, longest song, biggest bust out, average song vintage, and other stats. Head to jambase.com skinny and get links to show recaps, videos, and official audio as well. Jambase's Fish the Skinny Hub has everything you need to catch up on each and every show from the tour and to stay on top of what goes down at Dick's all weekend long. All right, now to my interview with Chris Shiflett. After having had Grateful Dead drummer Mickey Hart on last week's episode, it's pretty cool to go back to back with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members as guests on the Jambase podcast. As I mentioned, my interview with Chris mostly focused on his solo work, particularly his new song, Long Long Year. The track was produced by Vance Powell, who mixed and engineered Fish guitarist Trey Anastasio's Ghost of the Forest solo album and mixed, engineered, and co-produced Fish's 2020 studio album, Sigma Oasis. Chris told me about trusting Vance, who's also worked with the likes of Chris Stapleton, Jack White, and many others, with putting together the group of musicians that were part of the recording sessions for Long Long Year. Joining Shiflet were ace players like mandolinist Sierra Hull, bassist Jack Lawrence, drummer Julian Doro, steel guitarist Luke Schneider, and keyboardist Mike Webb. The sessions were held at Powell Studio in Nashville, and Chris described how Nashville influenced the record. He detailed some of his country-leaning influences, from legends like Waylon Jennings, to his current contemporary collaborator, Harvey. Chris discussed writing the single in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, while also not wanting to write a COVID song specifically. We talked about how the lockdown forced him, like many of his fellow musicians, to become better at recording himself, but also how the long, long year demo differed pretty drastically from its final arrangement. Out of respect for Chris and his bandmates' privacy, a brief sharing of condolences was the only mention of Foo Fighters drummer, Taylor Hawkins. Chris will be performing with Foo Fighters on Saturday in London at an all-star tribute concert for Taylor, who sadly passed away earlier this year. The interview did also touch on Chris's plans to issue a follow-up single, Born and Raised, as well as a solo album recorded with different musicians, the status of his podcast, Walking the Floor, and much more. So here's a bit of the single, Long, Long Year, to lead us into my interview with Chris Shiflett. I fell for you back in March, I guess, when you held me closer than your cigarettes. Now I'm shaking like a leaf on the lawn with a cold wind is blowing. It's been a long, long year, ain't it? It's been a long, long year, ain't it? It's been a long, long year, ain't it? It's been a long, 
I'm here with Chris Shiflett. Uh, we're we're uh, talking on the day, technically the day that your new song came out. Long, long year. It, it premiered today over at our friends on Consequence. Comes out yeah. officially tomorrow on Friday, July 29th. Uh, congratulations. It's a, It's got to feel pretty exciting to have that coming out, huh? Yeah, it's you know it's been a minute since I put out any any new solo music, um, and uh, and and I've been working on this one for a minute. So like, yeah, it's it's good to to get something fresh out there. And uh, so, when was the last time you did do something solo? Well, the last like solo record that I made, I recorded in 2018 um, okay. out in Nashville with with Dave Cobb produced and. Um, but it didn't come out, I want to say, till 2019. I forget exactly. That when, sounds right. Yeah, you know, there's always that lag between making it and and getting it out there. That that's like the frustrating part, you know. Like mm-hmm. you know, as, as yeah. a musician, you make something, you get that that mix done. You're like, oh my god, I just want to put this out now, now, now. You know. Um, and, and then by the time it comes out, you're already working on something new, <laughs> right? You know exactly, and like you're you're bored of it. But like, so yeah, so. I mean, to me, it feels like, because really, if you think about that, like I recorded that record in 2018. I wrote those songs probably most of them in 2017. You know, right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's like um, these things, yeah, it, it drags on and on. But like, um, and even this song that I, that I that's coming out tomorrow, you know, I, I wrote it in 2020 when the lockdown hit, you know? And I would just come here. This is I'm, I don't know if you use the video component of this for your thing, but um, but, you know, I'm, I'm at my studio and this sort of just became my sanctuary, you know, during during that time. Like once we sort of got over the initial shock of of everything grinding to a halt, you know, I would um, just come over here most days once my kids got, you know, had breakfast and got into school and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just come over here and just kind of strum along, you know, strum, strum my guitar and write some songs and even wrote some songs with some friends over zoom and, and, you know, just all that kind of thing. So I wound up just kind of compiling all these songs and, um, and long, long year was one of them. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, and I think that's kind of like informs it, the, the vibe of the song a lot. It's just like, you're just alone. Like I was like really missing being with other people and playing music with other people, you know? Right. So did you find that experience sort of, playing by yourself, going, working alone to be gratifying. Yeah. In, in, in some, some interesting ways, you know, I've always been like a bit of a Luddite and, um, mm-hmm. I have like really like zero, uh, engineering skills, okay. you know? And yeah. so that process, so I get, I, I usually have been pretty lazy with like demoing stuff. So just kind of because I had to, I was just sitting in my, in my studio all that time and I would be demoing songs. And I finally like learned how to like, kind of like program drum parts and logic <laughs> and stuff like that, you know? And I was like, started started to open up this whole world of like all, all this, all the crazy options that you have. Um, and, uh, and learned how to like, um, you know, just kind of like put it all together a little more. And it, it which was fun because, you know, when, on the actual record I'm playing with, with a bunch of other people and it's, it's great and it's loose and it's vibey. And then you get that thing, but for recording a demo, like when you program all the drums, it's just stiff as a fucking board, you know? And so (laughs) that really made me like focus on like, um, you know, getting the bass track to sync up with, and not just on this one, but like on all the stuff that I was sort of demoing, I really got me like how, I would like just solo out my program drum beats and like just be playing the bass. And then I'd be like, 
cutting it and moving it around and like really lining everything up and making sure like does this bass line really work with the what the kick drum's doing and all that stuff that that sort of goes into that side of of making music you know that for me normally i'm just like just lay down some sloppy ass acoustic guitar track and put a crappy vocal over it just to know that you have a song and then you figure it out once you get into the studio with some people uh -huh. that can really play you know what i mean with a good sure, drummer and sure. a good bass player and a good keyboardist and all that stuff um so that part was actually yeah i i, I kind of enjoyed that but like but that again it also made me really miss being playing with other you know human beings mm -hmm. chris you're not you're definitely not the first musician i've done a lot of interviews now with people that have recorded during the pandemic and, and becoming a better engineer or becoming better with pro tools is a very yeah. common refrain it sounds like that's one of the benefits maybe of the pandemic is that all these musicians around the country figured out how to w record themselves better at their own home studios and all these demos now are, are, are a lot better than they once were, you know, it, it's, yeah. you, you're following a trend. Definitely. So, I mean, it's so funny too. And it's like, it's, it's so like, I never would have thought that this would be the way that I would sort of do things, but more and more, I mean, you can probably see behind me, there's like a jam room back there and I got all my yeah. gear set up. And when I do have, a, it looks cool. It's some, some people to play with. I, I'll go jam in there and stuff. But like, I didn't use any of that shit. Like I just, it was all, <laughs> all in the box, man. It was all fake yeah. amps and fake sound uh -huh. and all that. Uh -huh. It was just like, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to go that deep where I'm like micing shit up and moving the mic around. But like, it was, I got it all in, in logic, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, but it's that, fun. Do you think that had a big influence on the song then themselves that you were writing at that point? Um, yeah, you know, certainly the, the, you know, lyrically and, and, and vibe wise, I think it did, especially with this song, you know, cause mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it's just a weird time. It's just, I'm, I'm a middle-aged man and, and, and it, it, not just COVID, like it, just the vibe of what our society kind of feels like and, and felt like in 20, you know, you gotta remember 2020, not, not only are you, you got the lockdown going, but it's also an election year. And it's just like, yes. everybody's ass was on fire about everything. Yes. And it just had this like, Oh, the walls are closing in, you know, and yet you're alone most of the time. It just, I don't know. Like, I, I think all those things add up uh, to influencing the work that you do. So was there an initial spark or sort of source of inspiration that led you to long, long year and, and making that, that, that a song? Well, with this one, I mean, I don't remember exactly um, what came first, you know, the chicken or the egg. But like, I, I do remember once I was kind of strumming those chords, I just had that 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 chorus in my head. You know, the chorus just goes, it's been a long, long year mm -hmm. for obvious reasons, you know. But like yes. then when I was when I was when I fleshed it out into making it a song, um, there are a couple things. I mean, first off, I didn't want to write a song about COVID. You know what I mean? Like that mm -hmm. would have been, mm -hmm. I don't know. It just didn't, that a didn't appeal on to the nose. Yeah. You know what I mean? It didn't appeal to me. So I just kind of wrote a story, you know, about mm -hmm. made it turn into a love song and just sort of put, put, put some words around that, you know, that made it all make sense. But, um, but also in my head, I was just, I don't know. It just sounded like the nineties to me or something. It sounded like, I don't know what it sounded like. I don't think the recording really came out that way, which is great. Cause you know, you get into the studio with some people and things always evolve and everybody puts right. their own little spin on what they're doing and it just becomes some other thing. And which is like kind of the beauty of, of, of recording music to me. But, um, but yeah, like, I don't know. It, it's just sounded like some, like some, 
I don't know. I don't even know what you call it. Like some like late nineties soft rock or something. <laughs> it's like oh, what wow. I was hearing in oh, my really? head. You wow. know what I mean? That's yeah, not, was, that's not what I yeah. think when I, you know, when I think of that, the track, the, the finished track, that's not, yeah. that's not what I think of at all. Good. Uh, yeah, yeah. You want, you want, you want 180 from that. I, I yeah. guess maybe, maybe we'll hear the demo someday. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so, but so you you were you did though demo it right? It sounds like you you yeah, kind of yeah. you, you had yeah. a pretty fully fleshed out. Did it? Did that include vocals? Were you were you doing yep. scratch vocals? Is that how you came up with the lyrics? Yeah. Or are you somebody that does are, like? Do you do scratch vocals? You know, um, sort of mumble tracks, or do you you are you writing the lyrics out more? I, I, I'll kind of do mumble tracks when I'm just like like normally it goes like this for me. Like I'll usually just be sitting on my couch you know, watching mm -hmm. soccer highlights or something and I'm strumming my guitar and then I just kind of stumble into something and maybe there's, hopefully you have a melody. It's always best, I think, when you have at least a melody or some words that speak to a melody or something to go mm -hmm. along with it. That's a good jump off point, I feel like. Right. Um, and then I'll usually record that on my phone. And, um, and then when I get around to actually listening back to it, you know, then I sort of like take it from there. So, um, you know, like for the, for demo demos, I mean, I always like write, I write the lyrics out before I'm like, I'm not going to demo something until I have a, until I know it's a song, you know what uh -huh. I mean? Uh -huh. um, and, uh, and, and really like try to like, you know, I've, I've tried to be better over the years with like, with, uh, with editing and, and rework and stuff and trying to, when, when I think when I was younger and first started writing songs, I never really thought about like, um, that weird thing with like how certain words just kind of sing better, certain vowel sounds just kind of sing better, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and grouping together different sounds that just kind of sing nice together and all that sort of stuff. So I, I tried to do, do that to the best of my ability with, while still keeping like the idea, you know, intact. Mm -hmm. It's funny. That's um, another thing that I've heard a couple of people tell me recently in interviews that like, this idea of, of paying attention to consonants and vowels and, and the, the, yeah. the words them, themselves and where they fall in the line. And it, it, it's really amazing. Uh, that must be something that is almost like a magic that you have to work to, to get it all to fall in the right place. It's hard to do that and make, and then still get a song out of it. Cause you know, right. you start, you, you, if you, worry too much about that shit it just turns into a bunch of gobbledygook you know what i mean mm -hmm. but but it's funny i think that there are certain vowel sounds and stuff that just sing better and 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 then i think individually uh yeah, there's just some vowel sounds that that i've just noticed i can never sing right you know what i mean like <laughs> I, I it's weird you know um so i try to avoid them but like uh but it usually starts with just writing out the words and trying to make something that that makes sense and and has a point you know right and, yeah. and I, were there... I learned that from I, I i really i never used to think about that but i really learned that from doing my own podcast and interviewing a lot of songwriters and especially a lot of people that are songwriters out in nashville um that idea and i've heard this from so many people like that it's a common thing and this is like the opposite for me but a common thing was to start with the with the hook line and, and then chorus and then sort of write your way back from there. Okay. You know, because it is, it is weird. And I've also heard from songwriters like you, and I've had this problem myself, like you can fucking sit there and just write verses all day. And then it's so hard to have something that ties it all together into some, you know, some uh -huh. 
you know, to make a point it out is of the, the meat of the song. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? And and so I, I get that idea of like, you start with that and then, it, you know, come at it from in reverse. Um, it's, but I, it sounds I don't like that's do that much did. myself. I should, I should. Yeah. I did that on this song. On and, this you know, one, hey, though, right? There yeah. you go. Yeah. So maybe I should do so. that more often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were, was there anything you were listening to at the time or other sort of influences that you think besides the pandemic and, and the isolation of that, that, that influenced either the, the sound of the songs or the, or the, or the content of the lyrics? I mean, I, if I go back to 2020, I think about, and I didn't think about this at the time, but maybe this, maybe this is, maybe this does have something to do with it. Cause you know, Sierra Hull uh, wound up playing mandolin and yes, singing all the, the harmony vocals. The wonderfully on it. talented Sierra Hull. I know. She's fantastic. And that year, if I'm remembering this right, that was like around that time that those Sturgill Bluegrass records were coming out. And I was listening to those uh -huh, a ton. Uh -huh. And through that, was just wound up listening to a lot of bluegrass. And a buddy of mine um, that lived that lives pretty close to me, um, I would just go over to his house like this was after, you know, a couple months into lockdown, like the mm -hmm. only sort of playing with other people I did was I would go over to his house from time to time and he would kind of host these like bluegrass, uh, like jam sessions over at his place. Oh, cool. um, that was just down the street with some really good players. It was really like um, really humbling, to be honest, because I'm not a bluegrass guitar player, but I was li listening to a lot of bluegrass around that time um, and doing that a, a bit. and. Um, and and uh and trying to sort of like watch like learn to play guitar like tony rice videos and like stuff like oh, that wow. you know what i mean yeah, and trying to yeah. learn some of those licks and then it's uh -huh. one thing to sit there and learn those licks and it's another thing to like actually go try to play them with other people over the right chord and it was yeah it was that was that I'm was sure scary, that could but, be humbling but <laughs> extremely extremely yeah so um so you know this song isn't bluegrassy at all but i you know maybe that was on my mind when mm -hmm. when um, when we went to go record. This song yeah. has more of a twang maybe to it than your other two records. Like maybe le those records are more like country rock and this kind of maybe leans more into pure Americana. If that's, if that's fair. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. And it's, it's interesting. The, the other song that I recorded that weekend, cause I recorded that in a weekend, these, these two songs in a weekend with, uh, with Vance Powell producing out there. Mm -hmm. um, so it's these two songs that I'm putting, I'm putting out another one in, in September called born and raised. And that one definitely is leans way more like dirty Steve Earle country rock kind of yeah, flavor, yeah. you know, but, and it's pretty twangy too, I guess, but mm -hmm. like I play, I bust out my baritone guitar on that one. So gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Which is fun. But yeah, I think, I think this one definitely is, is, um, it leans more Americana flavor. And it's funny because over the years, like I sort of just learned by like what I really enjoy playing live. Cause I've, 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 recorded some songs over the years that 
or a little more slow tempo and and a little more like you know kind of mopey and sad mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. but you go out and play those live and it's just like mopey and sad so i think i've leaned into <laughs> more of like in the stuff that's a little more uptime saturday night you know over the years yeah. but um but but this one's definitely not that it's more sunday morning i, I reference all the time the uh jack black in uh high fidelity when he refers to that music is sad bastard music you know like mm -hmm. you, you don't want to be a sad bastard and definitely not yeah. on stage yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah totally totally it's not that's not like beer sw swigging music you know exactly exactly <laughs> you mentioned you recorded this in nashville with producer vance powell was yep. was this the first time you'd worked with him yeah 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 first time i ever met him actually oh yeah. wow which so was how did you guys get connected <sighs> um i just i was familiar with his work you know, yeah, and, and liked definitely. his work. And, and you know, he's, he's a great producer, great engineer, great mixer. Um, I think that my manager, Shane, connected me with him because maybe they'd maybe some of his other artists who worked with him before. I, I think that's how that happened. Um, and, and uh, you know, Vance is just super cool and he's, he's great in the studio. And he put together the, the musicians for it, um, okay. which was also fun because, like, I didn't know any anybody you know i hadn't met any of the other folks like oh, wow. julian and, and jack and stuff and and luke the only one that i did know was was uh michael webb who played keys on my last couple records as well um but that was fun too like it was really fun to like go into a situation where you know i'd never worked with vance but i never worked with all these guys that i'm cutting the tracks with either and you know this we're all had just meeting each other some, for the first time had you done that before like in, in other situations yeah, like when I made those records with Dave Cobb, the first one, I that's the way that I connected with him was I interviewed him for my podcast. Oh, and he okay. was just so fucking cool that I was like, and I interviewed him at uh, RCA Studio A. And oh, it was nice. right after he had taken that room over. And I was like, I remember I left that that interview and I just went like, I got to make a record with that dude. So I called him back, um, you know, right after that and just said hey you know would you, would you produce a record for me and he had a little gap in his schedule and it just worked out and and but it was a similar thing where you know and that we're setting off to make a whole record in like one uh -huh. you know one sitting so that was a more of a more of a, a thing but um yeah man i that one i was really nervous that was a real like uh that i feel like it got me over uh got put me into a different uh like kind of broke through something I'd never done before. Cause I was sure. walking, I'd never made a record like that. I'd always made records with a band that I was in, you mm -hmm. know? So even if you didn't know the producer particularly well, it's like, you're there with your band, you mm -hmm. know, you're all together. Um, and for that, for that first uh, Cobb record, West coast town, I walked in there that day and it was like all these dudes that play on all those great records, Chris Powell playing drums and everything. And, yeah. um, and yeah, I was like, yeah, I was super nervous, but I was nervous until we cut the first track. And then I was just like, we got this, man. <laughs> so did that give you the sense going into recording with, with Vance that like, all right, bring in some players and, and we'll get together and we'll, we'll get it done. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, he, um, you know, I knew who all, you know, I knew who Jack was. I knew who Julian was. Well, wait, I knew let's, who Luke uh, was. I knew, I knew who, who they, they all were. Let, let's actually name who they all are. Cause it's a pretty impressive group of, of musicians. Yeah, you had Jack Lawrence on bass. Yep. Julian Doro on drums, Mike yep. Webb on keyboards, Luke Schneider yep. on steel guitar. And yep. we, we said Sierra Hole played mandolin and, and, and sang yep. on it too. Right. Yeah. 
So That's, I knew who all, those all are those some players, man. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, it's cool too. Cause I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't ask any of these. I don't like, I, maybe they, they do like a lot of session work in their, in their off time. I, I don't know, but they're, you know, I think of those guys more as like uh band guys, Yes. you know? Yeah. Um, and so going in there and it, you know, and they're all great players and they're, and they're all really cool to work with. And, and, um, it's just, that's the best feeling in the world when you sort of, you sort of, you're, you're overthinking your song and you're overthinking your song and you're demoing it and you're editing it and you're doing all this stuff. And then you just get in there and it all of a sudden it's, that's when the magic happens, you know, mm -hmm. it just turns into this thing that it's way better than you had, you know, anticipated it being. In the press materials that came with the with the single, it calls it the 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 track a bridge between your native California and Nashville, and you, you know it was recorded in Nashville. What is your relationship with Nashville? How do you what do you what do you what are you bridging there? Well, I mean, I've I've been a country music fan for a long time, and and in all its many uh, tentacles, you know, and mm -hmm. whatever you want to look at that old old school honky tonk and outlaw and modern stuff and bluegrass and Americana and, you know, all the, just all the different stuff. So, um, but I had never worked out there. I never really spent much time there at all until I made West coast town. That was the first time I, uh, had been, was there for a few weeks. You know, I've been through there on tour before Yeah, been through there. Like, you know, we, we spent a week there recording a song for a Foo Fighters record for that Sonic highways record. Um, okay, yeah. but that was the West coast town was the first time I'd ever been there working um with a bunch of nashville people you know and musicians and yeah engineers and and producers and all that sort of stuff so um so yeah you know i guess my relationship with it is over the years just through my musical interests and through working there and gigging there and and um and and um and my podcast you know interviewing all mm -hmm. these people that that are based there kind of based around that scene I've just gotten to know, you know, I've made some good friends and, and, um, and gotten to know the city a little bit, you know, and, um, and even outside of music, I got a crew of guys out there that, you know, when I, when I have, uh, when I have time, we get together and play soccer, you know? Oh, cool. So, and then I, none of those guys, I don't think are in the music biz. So they're just, you know, just a bunch of people that also play pickup soccer, you know? So like, I, I don't know, I, I dig it out there. I always have a good time. People have always been really, you know, welcoming and, and uh hospitable and um it's cool I, I always marvel at uh there's so many different scenes out there you know you have like the mm -hmm. east nashville thing and yep. you know and all the all the like i just mentioned all the different sort of types of country music and all that sort of thing and um i'm just always kind of blown away by by the the through line in all of that is like such a high level of, of yep. musicianship and um and yeah, it seems like, you know, different types of country music get made fun of maybe more than others. But even like you, you hang out with those folks, too, or people that work in, in, in the more poppy sort of mainstream side. And like those motherfuckers are badass. Like they they know more about country music than I ever will. You know what I mean? So it's like, Definitely. I, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for for um, for for the for the musicians and the people around the musicians that are out there. Are there musicians in that realm that you have looked to at or, or, or have been influential in, in the way that you make music? Well, certainly from a fan's point of view. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. those, those records are so good. It's like, it's a high bar, you know, yeah. when you, 
when you listen to like some of those great like Waylon Jennings recordings, or whatever, you know, all yeah, the yeah. all the great stuff that's come out of there over the years, and um, or even like you know, like somebody like like I interviewed Hardy a while ago, and he asked me to play on a track for that Hicks tape thing, and and mm-hmm. through interviewing him and that that really introduced me to his music and like the sort of crafty songwriting side of of what that dude does is like you know it's 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 great it's amazing. I think you take a little bit from everything, you know? I always listen to a lot of different kinds of music. And I just think it's, as a musician, you're always, I'm always thinking about like, why, what, why does that make my ear tingle like that? I try to think it through. What is it? What is, what's the, how does the vocal line fit over that chord? You know what I mean? Sort of try to Mm -hmm. think about it and analyze it. And like, so yeah, I think, I think we're just always stealing little bits from everything putting it in your pocket, trying to use it later, you know? And and what instruments did you play on the track? I played acoustic guitar and electric guitar. Yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of electric guitar was it? Are you, are you a big gearhead? I'm not a huge gearhead. I've become maybe a little more of a gearhead as I've gotten a little older. Um, Uh I was not a gearhead at all when I was young. I just had like my one guitar and my one amp and I knew exactly how I set it and I never changed it and it worked and, you know, Uh Um, and I never had any pedals. I never had any pedals really until I joined the Foo Fighters and then I had to get like a delay and a flanger or something. And and then, (laughs) and now my pedal board is like as big as my house, you know, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but yeah, like, you know, there's different, yeah, I have, I, uh, nice collection of amps and stuff that you know old tweeds and old mm-hmm. fender deluxes and and uh, some of that good old stuff because you know to play a telly through one of those amps is just like they're just made for each other you know definitely um, and, and that was actually kind of cool going out to to record uh this track because i didn't bring much with me i brought my pedal board and i brought a telly you know i have this um uh it's probably back here somewhere i have a uh like this telly uh, uh, custom shop vendor telly that I think is supposed to be like a 53, you know, but, okay. but I'm sure, but it's, you know, but it's newish, but that's mm-hmm. been, that's probably the telly that I lean on more than anything. And I just brought that and my pedal board and Vance had a bunch of amps. And I think we just plugged it into a, a an old uh, deluxe reverb. And that was that. And did you have a lot of discussions with Vance then about, getting the right sound and, and what kind of aim you're going for with the, with the track? I mean, I'm sure we did, but we didn't muck about too much with getting tones. I just kind of dialed the amp in the way I wanted it to sound in the room. And I think I had like, um, you know, I had some color on my board. I had like, a, um, a, uh, what did I have on there? I had like, I always use that red snapper overdrive. Okay. Um, and uh, for just to, and I don't, I you know, on on long, long year, I don't think I had it all gridded up too much, but you know, just to give it a little hair. Mm-hmm. 
And I think um, maybe like a phase 90, you know, dialed all the way back. So just a real slow. I think I think some of that's in there. Mm-hmm. Or I might I might have turned on the um, the tremolo on the amp. I don't even know if that amp has a tremolo or if I had a tremolo. I don't I don't remember. I feel like there's a tremolo track on there somewhere. Something yeah. going, <laughs> you know, so there's some sure, of that shit sure. on there yeah. for sure. And, and probably a little bit of uh, delay. Um, and we just kind of went with it. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a really good engineer. So, you know, once, once he got everything dialed in, it just sounds great. Did you record live? We recorded bass drums, pedal steel keys, and me playing electric guitar live and singing a scratch vocal. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I redid the vocal of course, and, uh, and added a, uh, acoustic guitar overdub. And I think the whole thing, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the whole thing's capoed at the second fret because it's in A, so you can get like the G shape A, you know? Gotcha. Yep. And like the A minor for the B minor or whatever, you know, you know that thing. So we're looking forward to, to Born and Raised coming out. You've, so you've got two, two tracks. Uh, can we expect any more? Yeah, I actually wound up recording a whole record separately from all this with um, oh. Jaron from uh, Cadillac 3 producing. Um, and I just finished it. So it's, I just have the final mixes now. I'm trying to figure out a sequence, uh, got to get it mastered, got to get like an album cover together. And, um, and I think we're going to start putting some of that out in, uh, more towards the end of the year, like November ish, somewhere around there. Yeah. That's exciting. I know. It's a lot of music. Who did you record that with then? Oh God. With the, the players on that were, um, it's, uh, Oh, who's on there? Um, uh, Jerry Rowe plays drums on all that. Um, Charlie Warsham plays guitar and um, like bass mandolin and banjo, and he plays all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, That that was actually really cool because that was a little different than than what I that what I'd done in the past. Sometimes we would have a keyboardist there, you know, we but we would mostly be like. uh uh bass drums me playing guitar singing a scratch vocal um uh uh and and two other guitar players in addition to oh, me so okay. those guys would be they do a few you know we do a few passes of stuff and every two or three passes they're switching switching guitars switching tones switching what they're playing so when you get done with those tracking that stuff you've got a symphony to choose from of cool. options you know what i mean it was really yeah. cool that stuff i'm i'm really pumped on how the, all that came out too like um it's a little bit different uh than like i don't even know how to that stuff some of it like leans i would not exactly like punk rock or anything but like there's some stuff that kind of leans a, a little more into that side of my mm-hmm. musical mm-hmm. side there's definitely some some of the countryest shit i've ever recorded that's just to my ear like straight up country uh-huh. Even though it's kind of kind of fucked up, but like it's still <laughs> pretty country. And then there's some stuff. It's like the one song is this old song I had kicking around that sounds like a Clash B side or something. You know what I mean? Oh, cool. But, um, and then there's some you know just kind of like I don't know rock and rolly riffy stuff on it too. So there's there's a that's kind of kind of um, kind of all over the shop. Well, that sounds cool, man. Fucked up country. Clash B-sides, like, that sounds cool, man. Well, the first song that I think we're going to put out on that is like, I, it's like super duper 
country vibes, but like I had on like, you know, like a, a overdrive and like a octave pedal on it. So all my guitar playing on, it's like, it just sounds like, like grating, nasty, but I don't know what it sounds like, you know, it's fucked up. It's like, is that That's a keyboard cool. or a guitar? What is it? I don't know what that is. Yeah. I love it, man. I love when that happens yeah. when you can't tell yeah. what it is, those sounds. Uh, you, you've mentioned a couple times your podcast, Walking the Floor. What's the status yeah. of that these days? Well, I kind of put it on pause uh, a few months ago. Um, I I will probably jump back into it here at some point, but um, but uh, it's also nice to take a break from it. That is the beauty of being a one out. a one man show. <laughs> it's yeah. like a, I don't have it. I'm not contractually obligated to keep right. to a schedule. Right. And when the way when the waves are good and the sun's out and it's summertime, I'm just like, yeah, fuck that you're, shit. You're definitely your own <laughs> boss there, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, I'll let you get going. I do want to congratulate you. I believe you are the first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member to be on the Jam Base podcast. So that's yeah. a, a, quite an honor. And it's a quite a thrill for me to get to to say that and talk to you today. Um, so, so that's really, really cool, man. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me, man. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. And, uh, you know, before we go, I do just want to say my condolences for 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 Taylor. Um, all the love to you guys for that. and. Uh, Best of luck in the future with whatever comes to you guys, man. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, pal. Thanks for your time today. Uh, Yeah. We'll look forward to the new music coming out. And uh, again, take care, bud. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. to the end of this jam-based podcast episode thanks to everyone out there for taking the time to listen thanks also to chris for taking the time to chat with me be on the lookout for more of his solo releases coming soon thanks to our sponsor psychedelic art exchange jake alexander helped produce the episode thanks jake we'll be back soon with another fun interview so in the meantime be safe out there and go see live music